Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Welcome in Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a CBS Sports podcast. My name is Mike Costaza. Back from the holiday break. Back with Chris Anderson. Chris, a uh, temperature check for football but also temperature check for you. How's your health? <laughs> for the first time in a month. I'm, nah, I mean, I I had a stretch there where I wasn't sick, so I think we're back off being sick, and we'll see if I'm back on being sick next week, uh, if it's going to keep up with the most recent trend. Um, but feeling great right now. Thank you. Good. Knock on wood. A lot of that going around. It's knocked down people, man, friends, family, people uh, in the university, athletic department. A lot of it going around right now, too, so stay vigilant. Segway. Temperature check for West Virginia football. Coaching staff, we'll talk about today. Pieces falling into place, pieces falling off board. We're talking, of course, about how the Mountaineers will fill out their offensive staff. Some puzzles being formed around what we knew hadn't been reported, what we still don't know. But early last week, Chris, you reported that Tony Washington will be leaving, going to Liberty. News broke on Tuesday night that Tony Washington would be leaving and going to Liberty. Yesterday, Wednesday afternoon, we confirm new receivers coach will be Bilal Marshall. By the time you hear this, it may actually be done. I understand that could be completed before the end of the week, maybe even before the end of the day. Along the way, though, we also understand that West Virginia could not Agree to terms, close the deal, sign, hire, whatever you want to say. Clint Trickett as the quarterback coach, offensive coordinator. Let that sink in now, Chris, for a second. I'm not sure it's terribly inspiring. I'm not sure it's terribly surprising either, the news so far. No, I think, um, what was it, a couple of weeks ago when the news that Graham Harrell was going to take that Purdue job, we put together pretty quickly a, a hot board for offensive coordinator fans had clamored for it and they got it and they were disappointed. And I, I did, you know, we didn't know what to tell them. Like, Hey, this is, this kind of feels like, and from what we're hearing, how this is going to go, the hires are going to be a new wide receiver coach to replace the old one. And then maybe a quarterback coach that maybe is called a coordinator, but doesn't have play calling duties uh, or, is splitting duties with Chad Scott or Chad Scott's just the new offensive coordinator or Neil Brown's Africa, whatever it's going to be. It doesn't feel like a full fledged 
trying to find a top-end offensive coordinator who is going to call plays and bring in his own offense. It's just what the intel said, and, and we kind of went with it, and fans were clamoring for more updates to the hot board. And this is why there were, really wasn't any. Like It just seemed like there wasn't an update to that fact that, that we stated then. And the info you posted, the story you broke um, on Wednesday night, Kind of confirmed that, you know, there's here's the wide receiver coach. West Virginia poked around on a potential quarterbacks coach. Not sure what all that entailed with the responsibilities for the quarterback coach, but here we are. And I <laughs> I mean, we're did did we think it was going to be different, Mike? Like like did we think like they were going to change course and all of a sudden be like, hey, we have hired uh, you know the, the the top end offensive coordinator that was available on the market no um no. so one reason hot boards are not a lot of fun Bilal Marshall was the number one name and like as far as I was concerned and maybe you too that was like the only name for receivers coach um we can get can in I, can I hop in real quick because I, I want to I want to expand on that really fast just a real quick story um when I broke the story about Tony Washington leaving Someone said to me, yeah, I'm pretty sure Marshall, uh, Bilal Marshall is meeting with recruits. And I said, wait, do you mean Dom Young? Because I think the assumption was, you know, we, like the graduate assistant that works with wide receivers was meeting with recruits. And Marshall was that spot in 2021. Dom Young is there now. And they said, I'm not sure. I thought it was Marshall. And now, like, as we're, as we're recording this, on Thursday morning, I am actively texting with people to see if that was somebody's you maybe let something slip because I believe the VMI coach left or retired or was fired or whatever on December 3rd, which might have opened things up for Marshall to do whatever after that. Now I'm like intrigued, like, wait a second, hold on. I really don't think there's any way that Marshall was – Literally in the building like two weeks ago. But you never know, Mike. You never know. Uh, Danny Rocco is the new coach, I believe, right? Yeah. That's a big name down where you are, right? Oh, yeah. He was hired. Yeah, here we go, December 3rd. So I don't know what, what he's playing with staff. And this is another thing here, too. That Marshall is um, a young coach, played in the Big Ten. He was he was Gerard Parker's right hand here when Parker was the offensive coordinator receivers coach. GA for two years. I think some might say, well, why not just keep him last year? Tony Washington is no offense to Marshall, a better option at that point in time than Marshall. Um, but Marshall maybe doesn't have a job. Going to come cheap anyways, but he's all going to come eagerly here because he needs work. If you're worried about coaches who don't want to jump onto a, a situation that may only have one or, or let's say a non-guaranteed future like this one here, that's going to be kind of the scope of coaches you're looking for. And, and, Graham Harrell was not the same, but Graham Harrell didn't have a job last year when West Virginia hired him. So that is part of the search field that West Virginia is dealing with here. Um, so Marshall was like the A1 name that we heard. Uh, there was one other name that, again, this is very weird, but like familiar names. I don't want to give it away, but um, there was a familiar name, at least surname for receiver, I think. I'm not sure how far that went. I don't think it ever really had a lot of traction. And up on Bilal Marshall. Speaking of familiar names for another position, Clint Trickett. 
interviewed, offered, quarterback coach coordinator. And as I understand it, just couldn't work it out. This is where you're going to get into the uh-oh territory because just from a, a mile away, if you look at this, if a Power 5 program cannot hire the offensive coordinator of a Group of 5 program, um, there's a look that comes with that, just is. And you can associate whatever that look might be with perhaps what the situation is at West Virginia right now. I'm not telling you all anything you don't know, but I think you understand that. I'm not sure that's necessarily the case here in that I don't think West Virginia was being cheap because they have money to spend and they better want to spend money if they're going to do this the right way, the way they have to. Number one. Number two, when you hear that they can't work things out, you think one or two things, maybe more than two things, but primarily it's going to be the length of the contract or the money. I just addressed the money. I don't think that'd be an issue, especially for Clint Trickett, who the salary that he's being paid at Marshall, even as the quarterback coach coordinator, he's in his second year there. He hasn't made a lot of money. He hasn't gotten a lot of raises. So West Virginia can make a superior offer financially, even if it's not all the money they have. And by hiring Marshall and Trick, they're going to have a lot of money left over. So not money. Then what else is it? Years. And that's where things become tricky, because if you're a coach who's going to leave and come to a program that the coach may not be here following next season, you might want some sort of security. West Virginia, pretty adamant about the fact that it is continuing to offer multi-year contracts. And people I've spoken to who are, are kind of familiar with the search, including Marshall and whatever's going on with Trickett, yeah, everybody's getting multi-year offers when they're in the conversation. So that's a question you ask. That's a question that's answered. Hey, I understand things aren't great right now in the future at West Virginia. Can I get multi-years? Yes, sir, you can. So that's not the issue. What then would have been the issue? Who knows? But I think it's a very fair assumption to say the definition of offensive coordinator, it might be unclear and it might leave a lot to be desired for some candidates here. And this goes back to your dreaded hot board, Chris, the very first name. Let's work in reverse order. Four, three, two, and one. Number four, Clint Trickett. Number three, Travis Trickett. Number two, Chad Scott. <laughs> Number one, Neil Brown. I would be surprised if this doesn't stop spinning and land on Neil Brown. I would too. I mean, okay, so you just did the four there. Clint, Travis, Chad Scott, Neil Brown. Um, <laughs> you already detailed. Clint was there. He came in to the building, interviewed. Um, Travis Trickett, his brother. Um, don't know if there was contact made, but again, as I noted in that initial hot board, the con with him, one of the cons with him was that he was already like pretty far into those conversations with Coastal Carolina. He had another school. I believe it was UCF also contact him about their offensive coordinator job. So all of a sudden you're getting into, and yeah, will West, would West Virginia beat out Coastal Carolina and UCF? All things being equal? Yes. Are all things equal? No. Because Coastal is going to tell him, you have full reign. UCF is going to tell him you have full reign. And both schools are going to be saying, you know, you have job security here for multiple years. Uh, West Virginia is going to tell him by what, again, what we were reporting and what we were hearing. Don't know if you'll have full reign. And yeah, we'll give you a multi-year contract, but I think you understand Neil Brown's situation. 
So yeah, then we come back to Chad Scott, Neil Brown has the top two choices and could it work? Cause yeah, man, I'm going to, I'm going to look at it right now. Was it Chad Scott officially? Yes. Unofficially like run game coordinator or co-offensive coordinator or something. I mean, he was, yeah. Co-offensive coordinator to begin and, and officially run game coordinator right now for WVU. So is this one of those situations where he, keeps that title but takes on a little more responsibility and neil brown is passing game coordinator or play caller or whatever i I don't know was he going to be the offensive coordinator at louisville too it was uh chad scott when he yeah because when he there for like a week and then briefly there he was uh at kentucky got hired on satterfield staff at louisville i think kentucky right no no, unc no unc yeah um and then briefly at Satterfield staff, maybe, maybe a month. Um, and then bang. Here he is with Neil Brown. A reunion of sorts, but gave him a title there as run game coordinator. You could see something like that. I don't know where this, where this ends as far as who the person is. It's going to be a quarterback's coach right now. Is it the coordinator? There, there's going to be some sort of title because I don't know who they're getting without a title here. And that, that may require some degree of massaging the, the, the details, the responsibilities, whatever. But let me go back to you on this, Chris. Mm -hmm. You picked it out right when it happened on Wednesday. We talked about it and written about it uh, last Wednesday, I should say. But Brown really dug his feet in the sand on developmental program. I don't know how you can hire assistant coaches now and as part of the calculus not consider, maybe even heavily weigh, who they can bring from the transfer portal. Like that's just a big part of it. It's like a coach being able to recruit a certain area and maybe Bilal Marshall can recruit South Florida. He's from Hialeah. He was like a top 16 in the nation dual threat quarterback down there when he was in high school. So probably knows some high schools. So people probably know him. So yeah, that's his organic grassroots recruiting background. What can he do in the portal? We'll see. Don't know. Clint Trickett maybe have more success of that, but my point being that Brown is like, no, we're going to go mostly high school people. It's it's healthier for us in the long term. He's thinking big picture. We also talked about in that news conference last week, some of the things that he was talking about with the offense, and he was kind of veiled a little bit, didn't want to get into things that were not germane to recruiting, but he talked about evolving offensively. That's why they got versatility at running back and tight end. And then kind of like a particular quote that really got to my attention, um, Want to have a discussion on a different day about their where they're going to go on offense, and pretty much said that the sign of a good coach is being able to take advantage of the pieces that you have. It might be different from year to year, but you have to use who you have. So here we go. JT Daniels talking about how the offense is going in a run-heavy RPO direction. Neil Brown talking about evolving offensively. Neil Brown really patting him and his staff on the back for multiple skill running backs getting more than one on the field at once we know the story with their running back room and their offensive line we know what they do and do not have a quarterback and receiver we kind of think this is going to be run game and brown maybe wants to have his hands on that and be in control of it do you blame him with his back in the corner here to act and think this way this no seem like a one <laughs> yeah right that's the weird part about this right like it's not popular but do you blame him? And you said no, and I would agree. 
Yeah, like, I mean, if, 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 God, if you asked anybody, I feel like at any profession, for the most part, if it was, hey, your job is on the line unless things turn around right now, how many people are going to say, okay, well, I'll go find somebody else to help take care of that. Like, no, you're gonna be like, all right, I'm, it's a, I'm taking control. I'm done. Other people, you know, it, it didn't work when I let other people do it. It didn't work when other people were in charge. It didn't work when other people were calling it. I'm calling the plays. I'm handling the offense. I'm in charge. If I'm going down, I'm going down because of me. I'm not going down because of somebody else. And so I would absolutely 100% do that there's one difference that I would change from what he's doing and which is we'll get to in a second but I would absolutely 100% be like I am offensive coordinator I am calling the plays but I I know what I said last year I'm out it, it was wrong it didn't work and and I'm back in charge the one difference is I would say hey we got some good young developmental pieces already on the roster and we want to continue to develop them but these last 12 spots, it's, I'm looking for some free agents. I'm looking for some hired guns. I'm looking for some guys who want immediate playing time and want to put something on their NFL resume because they will have an opportunity to do that here. Anybody that, that is interested, anybody that's in the transfer portal and, and thinks they're NFL ready and just haven't got an opportunity, you call me because I need 12 dudes who are ready to go right now High school recruiting be damned. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. If you want to call Neil Brown, I know someone who has a cell phone number. Whoops. <laughs> what you just said, how is that different from the reality? That is the reality, right? He just hasn't said that. And yeah, I was going to say, he's got, he said he's got the 8 12 spots and they're going to go look for transfers. And it's almost like, hey, just... Stop. Don't say that part about developmental program. Like, <laughs> just don't say that part. So that and then so here you are where th- there's a problem. And Brown is he's not absent skill of identifying the problem solution. I don't know. But they're, they're in the jungle right now and they're trying to get their way out of it. And I just I mean, I don't know about Bilal Marshall as a coach, but this is a guy who was a receivers coach for two years, went away for one and came back. I don't know that he knows any of the receivers on the roster right now. Maybe he does. Maybe he did some recruiting for some of the junior college guys. I'm not sure about that. You can tell me more, but like he certainly hasn't worked with them. And is he going to get you portal talent? Does he know people that can do it? I don't want to say no. I just don't know that's the case right now, just based on a very brief background for him. So is that a great solution? I don't know. And then Clint Trickett, listen, Marshall had an excellent running game this year. Like if you look at their stats, they're very good. And he might not have been an RPO quarterback when he was here. I should say might not. He was not an RPO quarterback when he was here, but understands the position. And listen, he was around a good run game last year. So that might work. And I think that the trick at name, getting him here, that does inspire some people. And maybe that levels out. But now they really got to do something big here, a coordinator. 
and they have to close the deal on somebody. Like it, it probably can't get out again that somebody got out of the nest that had a guy in, sat down, talked to him, and went there. Now was Clint the the, the first choice, the only choice? Don't know. Is he the only person we've heard about right now? They they have talked to a couple other people who they are don't know, but we know that they went to a certain length with Clint Drake and, and didn't get it done. What's the solution now to this problem? And the problem has one in itself about closing the deal with somebody too. That'll be interesting here. Um, let's go to Marshall. Mm-hmm. GAs can do a little bit of recruiting, very limited. He got he got some level of renown for his work, and including with some pretty important players in a pretty important part of the country. Uh, Crystal Ball me here, little Chris. What can we think about him in the recruiting capacity? It's funny because I have a, a near perfect parallel that is going to hit home with a lot of WVU fans right now. And I want to take you back 13 years, 14 years. And there was a man named Doc Holliday who was renowned for his uh, recruiting prowess in Florida. And he went down to Florida as an assistant coach at West Virginia and pulled Geno Smith, Stedman Bailey, and all these guys. At Almost every one of those talks, once those players got on campus, because GA, GAs cannot go and like, you know, in-house recruit or in-school recruit uh, unless there is one less staffer on or one less coach on staff, which is, again, that that happens very rarely, but it has happened. We've seen GAs out on the road recruiting in those situations. But to my point, every time that those players from Florida would come up to visit West Virginia, they weren't hanging out with Doc Holliday. They weren't, I mean, they w- were talking to him some, but the key guy behind the scenes who didn't get nearly the credit, do you remember who that was? Kind of became a big deal. I think so. Jay Wan Sider. Okay. And he was a GA, and he and it, a lot of it was, you would always hear it. It's like, yeah, Doc's the lead recruiter on that, but you know who was the real lead recruiter? Sider. Sider was the lead recruiter. And fast forward, again, 12 years or so, and you have Trickett down there in uh, South Florida pulling guys like C.J. Donaldson, Jacoby Spells. You got West Virginia in, in the mix with all these guys in South Florida. In this instance, Trickett is Holiday, and Marshall is your cider because my understanding is that Marshall was – intimately involved in a lot of those recruitments that every time they came up on campus, it was Marshall who was there. It was Marshall. Who's, you know, touring them around, talking to them, who who's making connections with them, staying in contact with them. He could talk to them from a distance, you know, throughout the entire process. You just can't visit them in person until they come to campus. So it, what I'm saying is if you're looking for a best case scenario here, as far as a coach and a recruiter from West Virginia's perspective, Marshall has the potential to be the next cider for WVU as far as recruiting goes. Coaching goes, you know, I, I assume he knows something about coaching. He, he is a coach. He is a former player. Um, that's not something I'm familiar with and probably won't be familiar with until he actually gets a couple of years under his belt. But the current projection is he is basically J1 cider for WVU, which I think if you told WVU fans that right now, they would be absolutely ecstatic with that addition as a coach let's wrap it up with this chris we mentioned 
our our thoughts, our perspectives on what Brown is saying, maybe what he should be saying, but also how, in a sense, we kind of can't blame him for doing what he's doing, which is, man, I'm in charge of my own fate here. I'm going to take charge of my own fate. Cool, commendable. Let's see how he does it. Again, problem solutions. We'll figure out what he's better at identifying and addressing. Number one. Number two, they're making a change in offense. And for me, that's not necessarily a bad idea. They've been air raid for a long, long time. What has it really gotten him? It's gotten him into this situation. So change it up. Dave zigged and everybody else has zigged for far too long. It's time to zag. I'm not saying go back to um, like Rich Rodriguez, read option, play like your hair is on fire, but maybe do something a little bit different. And when we talk about their personnel and the way they're thinking of evolving, that makes sense. Now might be the time. Bring in a young uh, product of the system, let's say, in Bilal Marshall, a guy who knows his way around and kind of hit the ground running. It's going to be energetic and eager to work, helps in Florida. Like, again, a, a good fit for the future here. Offense changing for the future. Offensive coordinator could be a young guy like Clint. think he's, what, early 30s, maybe 31, 32. Future, future, future. There's an urgency for next year, obviously. Is it healthy for a program like West Virginia to shift from developmental, which Brown had been for his first four seasons here? And in some regard, that kind of had been West Virginia's MO for quite some time. Develop players. Get them on campus. They'll be really good in years three, four, and five. Now, heck, five, six, seven, who knows? But just because you have to win this year, do you shift everything from one basket to the other and try something different that it's very risky? especially when you look at their history of transfers. I can make an argument, and I'm not doing any water carrying here, and I'm not being an ambassador for the athletic department or for Neil Brown, but it's not healthy to make an aggressive switch just to win for one year and then try to find ways to sustain that annually. Or to do that, get your head above water, get out of the water, get your feet in the sand, get your feet in the sand, get a drink in your hand, like you're safe, you're out of trouble and then go back to the way you were doing things here. It seems to me like maybe the healthy thing is to continue to make hires, build your offense, build your roster, whatever, with a broad view, uh, a future in mind, and not haphazard, hasty, immediate fixes. Yeah, I'm with you. I think you can slowly, uh, maybe not so slowly, since obviously, again, you know, this year is so important, but you can make those adjustments you can make those changes i don't know if it has to be full-fledged tweaks i think again based off the interview you did with jt daniels that transition already started like it's already started to blend into this new offense and then you take this these couple months here and you can blend it a little more with your hires with your transfer additions then you go into spring football and you start implementing this offense a little bit more and you blend it a little bit more and you keep going. So it's more of a transition than it is like a full, like you, how do you phrase it? Haphazard um, change. And, and again, so based off what, what Daniels told you, what we're seeing West Virginia doing, it seems like they are kind of blending and transitioning into this new offense instead of just, you know, throwing it all together. There, there is a plan in place, Mike. Yeah, they're not. They're not going to go wishbone. They're they're not hiring a triple option whiz. It's going to be a running offense in the sense that like you'll see a lot of shotgun stuff. Like it, it might be more like Kansas than than West Virginia, but it might look similar. Like 
in a formation sense, West Virginia and Kansas aren't terribly different. It's what they do before the snap and after the snap that really differentiates them. But you can make those changes and not be dramatic. But all of a sudden, if you're like, well, what we want to do is we want to get some studs who can run outside and we're just going to play air raid and, you know, we use one of these quarterbacks. It doesn't fit, right? But if you feel the pressure to win, you're like, I got to get marquee players and I got to hire assistant coaches who people know about. That may work, but, like, what happens when that assistant coach moves on and those stud receivers are no longer on your team? You got to do it again. Can you keep doing that? I don't know. But I can, I can, I can sit there and nod my head and listen to an argument about future, recycle the plan, start it, spin it, get to the end, do it again. Like, I can see that being something here. And, like, you're right. It's going to be different. Not a dramatic evolution. In fact, that it's already underway a little bit, too. Um, please send your hate mail to... <laughs> I'm not getting my email address out. I don't want the email because I have a feeling it's probably coming too. But like, I just, I can see that being a case here that, um, again, is he emboldened by being coming back for a year? Does he think he has more than one year? Don't know. But I think you can say that he's, he's kind of committed to his act right now. And if he does believe in the developmental thing, he's, he's given himself a start this year. And that might be consistent through his hiring practices here. Um, coming up in the site, Chris, got some football, got some basketball. What do you have up your sleeve? Uh, we'll have some more recruiting updates. Been posting the the X Files, which are the the background stories on some of the uh, recruitments for this 2023 class so far. We'll be adding to it again each day, a new position. Um, yeah, like you said, basketball, football. Uh, January fourth, I believe it is, is the end of the the hard dead period. Um, and after that, now you won't see high school kids on campus, but you could see transfers coming to campus that following weekend we are expecting at least a couple transfer players to come on campus that january sixth weekend all of a sudden that might be the most important weekend and it's you know i don't want to keep saying hey the next weekend's always the most important like a coach you know the next game's always the most important game but suddenly that weekend becomes very important because all of these transfers want to find a new home and be at a new school in mid-January. And so that January 6th weekend might be the weekend where you end up with the most transfer visitors for West Virginia yet. And a lot of those guys prepared to and ready to make a decision and find a new home. So keep an eye on that weekend and who get, whose name gets added to that list. Uh, students come back into town that weekend. They start class in the ninth, um, January 7th. Home basketball game, Kansas. That's pretty good. Get your binoculars ready, Mike. You're going to be on duty that day. Maybe like a Division two quarterback will be in the stands next to the football <laughs> coach again. Not that that's ever happened. Uh, also, we'll get you some Jose Perez intel. Um, had an occasion to talk to a bunch of people about this that are not involved in it but are watching it. It's kind of a broad explanation of what may happen, what may have happened. As you might understand, a lot of people are just not talking about this right now because it's ongoing. I think you'll have a resolution sooner than later on that one. Um, next year, that's all I'll say. We'll have that up on the site. Bob Huggins back with reporters today. Back-to-back road games to start the year. Chris, did you see this, that West Virginia's next five games are quad one games? Two teams in the country have played more than five quad one games so far. They're going to play five in a row. All right, quick question for you because I know we're running out of time. What's the goal? I mean, I – don't say five and zero. Oh. What's the goal in five games? Realistic. I, I'd like to see them go two and zero oh on the road. I think they have the capability of doing that. I think Kansas State's going to be hard, but I think if they get that one, they can get Oklahoma State one and one. You take, and then 
man, do you split Kansas Baylor? That's tough. What's the what's the fifth one? Did I don't you... know. You're the one that brought up the schedule. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, I'm obviously going... you want to, you want to be above 500 in those five games, but man, I don't think you want to go 0 and 2 in the road because I don't think you, you can expect to go 2 and 0 against Kansas and Baylor. But if they can win back to back road games on a Saturday, Monday, and those aren't impossible games, like they'll have more prep for Kansas State and Oklahoma State's not as good as Kansas State, but Oklahoma State's kind of giving them trouble for the years. So don't get swept. But man, if they can get three wins out of those five, I think that's a pretty good situation for them. It's got to be more than five in a row, though, because, yeah, it's at Kansas State, at Oklahoma State, can't home for Kansas, home for Baylor, then at Oklahoma. But after that, it's TCU and Texas, and they're quad ones. Yeah, but TCU's at home, right? It is at home. And you have to be top 30. Ah, uh, okay. All right, so they're, I don't think they're top 30. Yeah, yeah they're like 60. Yeah, and that Oklahoma game, that's a winnable game probably, too, but they're like they're a computer darling. I don't understand. I know they had a really bad game to start the season, but they've been better since, and – um, again, that's a team that, with their personnel last year, kind of gave West Virginia trouble. But yeah, those girls, guys, not quite as uh, tricky this year. Two and two and three, you're not happy, but you're not devastated. Three and two, I think you are giddy, even if the three wins are the the three not so great teams, and you you lose to Kansas and Baylor. I think three and two, you're giddy. Get some road wins. Remember, zero and nine on the road in Big Twelve play last year. Mm, mm, mm. So yeah, we'll have that surrounded. New Year's Eve, 7 o'clock game. I cannot believe that. I guess one of us will watch it. We'll figure it out. Until then, I'm Mike Casaza, And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you then.